Welcome to The Jump Around, my women's basketball podcast where the only constant is each and every episode I'll sit down with someone different from around the game. As for the conversation, well, there's a reason this is called The Jump Around. I'm Blake Dudonis. This episode, I sit down with Atlanta Dreamhead coach Nikki Collin, fresh off being named WNBA Coach of the Month for the month of July, and currently has her Atlanta Dream team sitting in second place. I'll talk to Nikki about her climb up the coaching ranks to her first head coaching job with the Dream. We'll also talk about the team's success, how they got there, a little bit about Tiffany Hayes' snub from the All-Star game, and what her approach is as they enter the final stretch of the season. Nikki Collin. Nikki, first off, thank you. I appreciate you uh, taking the time before your game with the Lynx tomorrow to, to come here. And uh, fresh off being named the WNBA Coach of the Month, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to give me coach speak and tell me about it's about the team and the staff and everything, but pretty cool uh, to be recognized in that way, I would imagine. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, it is cool. Um, pretty humbling, of course. Um, best reaction was when when uh, my team found out that that's the fun part, you <laughs> know, because it, it is about them. And um, but I mean, in perspective, it was pretty funny because my PR guy, you know, tweeted out about me being the first Atlanta Dream coach to win the award, me being the first rookie head coach to win the award, and then went on to say it's only the second summer of the award. <laughs> so you know, it's not exactly got this storied history of uh, coach of the month. So it kind of puts it in perspective. Hey, that still counts, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So your journey here is uh, to get to the being a head coach of the Atlanta Dream is is different. I mean, it's not your your standard. You've been a kind of a lifetime assistant, mm-hmm. and so often people who have your track record from I mean, if you go back, your Colorado State, Ball State, Louisville, Arkansas, Florida Gulf Coast, Connecticut Sun, like usually halfway in between there, someone usually goes to that head coaching spot. But you had a very very unique journey to to getting to where you're at. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I've talked to a lot of groups really since I got the job. I don't, I don't think it's that unusual in some ways for women. Um, maybe not always in this profession that way, but, but I would call my path a bit of a meandering path and not, not always meandering by choice, to be honest. I mean, um, you know, but when I got in a relationship with my husband, Tom Collin, and he's 20 years older than me and was an established head coach and you know, you kind of, you make decisions that are best for your family and uh, your relationship. And so he, he was established in his career, so I kind of followed his career um, until he was ready for his career to be over. And at that point, it kind of became a little bit um, my opportunity to go out. And that, that's kind of what led me to Florida Gulf Coast and, you know, gave me an, a chance to really jump out. And, you know, I didn't necessarily have a goal to be in the WNBA, but Kurt Miller is one of my best friends and yeah. always has been. And when he got the Sun job and offered me a job, it was kind of like, well, let me see what this is all about, coaching the best players in the world. I sure. always followed the league um, from having coached Angel McCautry at Louisville and following her career to knowing Becky Hammond because from her connection at Colorado State, you know, you kind of you kind of get hooked on the league. And, and being a basketball junkie, it gave me something to watch in the summer. So I was one of those first people that bought the league pass and really watched it, you know, top to bottom. So, yeah, not not a direct path here. Um, 
but certainly excited to be where I'm at now. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, I know you've talked about it in the past too. Is that you? You're a five-five point guard that. You know, you, you played in, you played at Purdue, goes to a Final Four, and then you transfer and finish at Marquette. Played for overseas for a year, but then you're like, kind of like, well, I'm, I don't really have anywhere to go from here, right? So yeah, well, I mean, and I really, I mean, honestly, I think I was like on the cusp of being good enough to play in the WNBA, but at the time when I was coming out, there was a WNBA, there was the ABL, yeah. Um, and when I was overseas and the ABL folded, I just knew now is really not the time to be trying to find a job and. <laughs> Uh, in professional women's basketball and I just didn't see myself as a, a long-term overseas uh, basketball player uh, and so you know I didn't know what that meant but you know I came back and interviewed for a lot of engineering jobs and um, actually took an engineering job at Motorola in Chicago and uh, about a about two weeks before I started that got job I, I got offered a coaching job and I think I realized that you know that I needed to try that direction first that yeah. you know my first love was basketball and and I had to see where that took me. So pretty excited that that's the direction I chose. Yeah, worked out okay. Yeah, did okay. <laughs> you've did you've okay. won some games. Uh, well, we move forward to now. Um, yeah. You take the job with Atlanta, and I'm curious, what is your approach when you come in and you're setting goals? Are you like a long-term person? Or are you short-term? Um, especially taking over an Atlanta team that you know has struggled uh, as of late. Uh, what, how did you, how did you approach that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny, I, I, I really didn't have a true agent um, during the process, but, you know, everyone starts talking to you about, hey, in the interview process, you may get asked the 30, 60, 90 day, like, what's your plan? Um, and so I think in some ways that forced me to, to think about those things, um, you know, and so the plan became, you know, like, I had the opportunity to kind of start in Connecticut with Kurt, and it was just such a different situation because uh, we had early draft picks we had two early first round picks and then you know we were already talking potential trade which you know landed us Jonquil Jones so we knew it was just a very unique situation in that we were in rebuild mode there you know but excited about what that meant um, I genuinely thought when I took the Atlanta job that if we could get a couple pieces right through free agency um, that you know we were we had a roster that was better than that that wasn't in rebuild mode when you bring an Angel McCautry back and uh, so you know, I think that the goals were simply, first off, to build our roster, you know, and build it in a way, um, certainly, you know, I, you you take your roster, you try to fill in with the best available pieces that, that play the way you ultimately want to play going forward, but you also have to say, okay, right now, here's what I've inherited, here's who's under contract, and how do I, how do I make this all work? So... You know, it was a little bit of that with, with Chris Yanko, my GM, in terms of, you know, we, we were truly Jessica Breland or bust when it came to, like, really going after a power forward. Um, you know, we knew we needed to get better shooting-wise, and adding Renee Montgomery was a big part of that. Um, you know, but then it became really, like, let's let's just start to, let's start to build it. I didn't have a, certainly we knew we were capable of being a playoff team. I don't mm -hmm. think there, we haven't pretended otherwise. Um, I think in Connecticut we weren't in that same situation. Sure. Um, but we, we certainly have felt like from the beginning we were a playoff team and if we could put the pieces together, I mean, we felt like from the beginning we had a roster that could compete with anyone in this league. Now would we be ready for that? You know, um, we didn't know, you know, but certainly we knew we had the talent uh, to compete with the LA's and the Minnesota and the Washington's and, and the teams that have been in the top half of this league. Yeah. Well, once you get here and 
you guys do start kind of seeing all those things come together. I mean, you're number two team right now uh, in the standings, and I know that there's still a, it's only seven games, but it's like a long right. seven games to go, right? right. It's so tight. Uh, does, did you, did you, was there ever a moment where, because you speak those things and you believe them, but then when they're actually happening, like, has there ever, was there a switch with the team? Did you see a difference, or have you guys kind of been well, steady I think, as it goes? Yeah, I mean, I think early we were really trying to figure things out. Um, you know, and, you know, we have a lot of really good players, and we've got a lot of players that can go get their own shot, can go create their own shot. And so, you know, the, the verbiage was always the same. The, you know, the talking points were always the same about really learning to attack the point, uh, attack the paint, but then, you know, move the ball to the open person and trust the pass. We've talked, we've probably said, tr- I've probably said, trust the pass, you know, 2,000 times to where the team's like, oh gosh, here we go again, trust the pass. But really, you know, like even even yesterday against Chicago, it's, it's turned down to good shot to get a great shot because you're going to get a great shot if you'll move the basketball. And, and so, you know, early I saw glimpses of it. I saw moments where we shared the ball and had a lot of assists. And then I thought the turning point for us was the last game of the first half of the season. We played Seattle. Um, and for the first time, I thought our attention to detail, our game plan prep in terms of really following a game plan, we were competitive in all those early games. We didn't win them all. Um, but I thought they were starting to understand um, how I implement game plans and my expectations and how good we could be defensively. And, um, you know, and, and I thought that game when Seattle came in and got us down early and, um, you know, it just – it didn't look like a team that was really buying in at that point and you know had a long conversation a long film session the next day about about being professionals and taking their work seriously and even if we're only on the court for an hour because we're trying to keep them off their legs you know Mm -hmm. and keep them fresh that that doesn't mean you don't go home and study you know we invested a lot of money in video software and the things that are available and taking tendencies away and and we didn't do it and I'm telling you it was like the light bulb came off we we beat a a hot Phoenix team um, two days later and then went to Washington and you know had four players get 20 and had 30 assists and broke all these records yeah. and I do think that was a moment they went you know whether it was an aha it was like wow that was fun mm-hmm. you know like that's fun basketball and it kind of it's amazing how one game and in sports in general that that confidence that you get from playing well and sharing it and moving it and the smiles and the pointing I've always told this team, nothing makes me happier as a coach is when I start seeing my players point at one another, yeah. you know, and really um, get excited when they give it up and, and somebody hits a shot. And so, you know, we started to play more unselfishly and share the ball, and, and then our post game took off. You yeah. know, I really thought, you know, Breland and Elizabeth Williams has been so good during this stretch, um, you know, and so – you know, all of a sudden you have balance, you become harder to guard. Um, so, you know, we've stayed consistent defensively, but we've just gotten a whole lot better offensively. Yeah, it's so funny because that's what you just said is so, like, so Connecticut when they're rolling, right? It's yeah. four people have 19 or up. It's so Florida Gulf Coast. Correct. Right? Like, yeah. they just fly, like it's, it just makes me laugh because I'm like, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Like, yeah. that, that's what you know. And it's great to have players that in a pinch can go get a shot. You know, it's it's why you want yeah. an Elena Deladon. It's why you want a Tina Charles. It's why you want an Angel McCautry. You know, but ultimately, 
you're much harder to guard when people don't know where the ball is going to go on every possession. Yeah. And so, you know, a usage rate may be really high for McCautry. Um, but, you know, when we have more balanced shot selection and, you know, it, it becomes harder to guard. It's if you load up to the box and, and take away, you know, the lane, then being able to move it and make the extra pass and, and still score, you get better spacing. And then all of a sudden those baskets become easier and you watch Angel just slice and dice late in the game yeah. yesterday because we start moving the basketball. Yeah. Can you tell that Angel is refreshed this year? I mean, does she seem different uh, from just what you can tell? And obviously, I know you, you weren't her coach mm-hmm. earlier, but is there was there anything different about her? Or does she seem re-energized? You know, I think or? as much as anything, Angel is refreshed mentally. Okay. You know, whether it's a physical thing, I think there are times when Angel would tell you she still feels like she's 80, and then there's days she feels really good. Yeah. Um, you know, she's kind of in that in-between um, stage. I think it wasn't easy in some ways to come back. She was away from the WNBA, like maybe for one season, but ultimately it was two years. Yeah. You know, when you think yeah. about the time. And the overseas game isn't the same, and I respect the level of play in Russia and EuroLeague, and she played on great teams and had great success. But this league is young, and it's athletic, and, you know, it was suddenly like, wow. <laughs> you know, the, you know. so I think at times, like, her getting used to the pace again, yeah. um, you know, and maybe her not learning to, to share the ball and to not feel like she has to carry this team sure. all the time. Sure. Um, and I think that is refreshing for her. I think she's enjoyed seeing this team succeed, um, and while she'll always be a centerpiece to that, you know, to see it succeed and flourish, and and have a Tiffany Hayes be uh, a player of the week and a player of the month, yeah. and you know, see the success the franchise has had, you know, I mean, both Tiffany and Angel are both players who've only played in Atlanta, and so I think they have a lot of loyalty and pride, you know, in the Dream organization. So I think. I think it's a mental refresher for her to be back and be excited and, um, you know, as much as anything. Well, you brought up Tiffany Hayes, so I have to go down the obvious obvious path of her missing the All-Star game. Uh, I think everyone, by and large, kind of agreed she was the one that really stuck out. Well, whoa, what do you mean she's not an All-Star? Uh, I guess my question to you is, did that discussion ever come up? Um, and or how did you guys handle uh, her getting snubbed for Yeah, for I think, um, you know... <laughs> The uh, league office called me to let me know that Angel was an all-star, you know, like three days before it was announced. And honestly, my first question was, okay, you're calling me to tell me Angel's an all-star, which means you're also calling me to tell me that Tiffany Hayes is not. You know, and I got the typical, hey, there's a lot of good players that don't make it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But I mean, I mean, honestly, as her coach, it hurt me. Um, hmm. Tiffany Hayes is a player I think that's a little misunderstood. I mean, honestly, like I, as a coach, for an opposing team, um, always respected her, how hard she played, and you know, but but really didn't know her very well. And even coaching her in the All Star game, she's quite, pretty quiet, a little bit introverted, so didn't get to know her uh, super well. So, you know, she's a player that I, I was a little unsure of. I mean, she was good with me uh, in terms of uh, correspondence uh, when I first got the job, but. Not a super outgoing, you know. Yeah. If, if I got if I got on a WhatsApp combo with with Brittany Sykes, I mean, I'd burn a pancake. <laughs> I, you know, like it was just back and forth and and goofy and fun and and uh, you know. So, you know, when I started coaching Tiffany Hayes, it, it took me about two days of training camp to go, man. I'd take a team of Tiffany Hayes mm. because she's just she's uh, she's she's very workmanlike. She shows up. She competes on every possession, um, and I have a 
loved every second of coaching her. Uh, certainly challenged her to, to be you know, more emotionally stable in terms of her game and not getting frustrated with officiating and you know, things like that. And I think when you look at her track record, um, I think she's having a really good year that way. But man, that kid is, in my opinion, and, and I know it's just mine, but the best two-way shooting guard in our league right now. Um, you know, I, I, that is not any disrespect to, you know, the really good two guards in this league because there's a lot of them. Like, Jewel Lloyd is great, you know. Like, I, yeah. Kay, Kayla McBride is great. I mean, we have a lot of really good players in this league. But, I mean, you know, when, when I think about, you know, Tiffany Hayes and, and what she's done statistically against Maya Moore when she matched up with her and Allie Quigley and these players – you know, it's it, she competes at both ends of the floor. So, sure. you know, we've run a lot of action through her offensively, and we've always asked her to guard the best player on yeah. the other team defensively. So, so yeah, I think her numbers said she should have been there. Um, but I just think, you know, she passes the eye test too. Um, and I know you can get into that discussion. Okay, if if her, then who, who? not? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and sure. I, I'm not going to play that game, but it, I felt like I had to talk to her before the announcement came out to tell her because yeah. I didn't I didn't want it to come out you know and and her not to know and to be surprised sure. and so I told her the morning we were on the road at Connecticut and just said look you're an all-star in my book I mean our staff was like prepared to like start a um like a fun to like you know you get a little all-star bonus it's like hey you know we want you to feel like you're an all-star because you've been that important mm-hmm. to us and and so I, I think it motivated her. I mean, I thought it was cool what Renee did wearing her jersey. That was cool. You know, yeah. and that was her idea. You know, that was all Renee. And, and, and to me, that that's what a good leader. Um, but then we also said, okay, it's over now. We're putting it behind us. Now, sure. it's about, now it's about a playoff push. We don't care. The All-Star game's passed, you know. Um, you know, so let, let's just go win games and, and uh, you know, do what we have to do. But, yeah, yeah definitely a great kid. Um, a great player and would have loved to have seen her get that honor and thought she deserved it. Yeah, yeah, I certainly agree. Has there been any um, – I've got well, I've got a question. We'll get there through this one. Was there a moment when you took over that you had a moment where you're like, holy crap, like I'm in charge, or like, oh, my gosh. Like, what, what, like, what was that big yeah, moment where you're you know, like, oh, I, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, I think um, it's uh, – I was so happy in Connecticut. I love working with Kurt. Yeah. I love what we were building. You know, I enjoyed summering in Connecticut and wintering in Fort Myers. Like, I felt like I was the coolest snowbird on the planet, <laughs> you know? So, so like, I was genuinely happy doing what I was doing. I had a lot of responsibility, a lot of autonomy working with Kurt. And so, you know, didn't feel like I was being held back, mm-hmm. you know, or, and, um, you know, but this process happened so organically with, with Atlanta in terms of, um, of taking the job, but you know, I I I'd gotten a you know an offer sheet, and I remember at one point Chris Yanko, who's now my GM, saying like, "What are you waiting on? Like, what's the holdup?" And I'm like, "It's just, it's 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 just that feeling of jumping, you know, like jumping in, like like my toes are dipped in the water yeah. right now, and I'm excited, but I'm, you know." And so when I took the job, in that moment, within an hour, you know, it was like like I wanted to cry, for two reasons. One. <laughs> Fear. Like, you know, absolute terror. <laughs> what did I just You know, do? exactly, like absolute terror. Like, I, I was in a good position, you know, um, and at the same time, just, 
you know, crying because I was excited for the opportunity, like to think, you know, we laugh, but there are a couple of college jobs, um, you know, mid-major college jobs that I was genuinely interested in, um, you know, six months previous to that and couldn't get an interview, you know? And so here I go from, you know, and I've always believed in, you know, as as strong my faith and in timing and, you know, things happening for a reason, but it was like, wow, I mean, here I am coaching in the best league in the world uh, against, you know, first-class coaches and some of the best in the world as well. And and six months ago, I couldn't get an interview at a mid-major school in college, you know? And so, you know, it was, um, and and then really, you know, the outpouring, you know, you, when you're an assistant, um, I always felt respected and needed and, um, but you, you work for somebody else and you, you support, you know, what they want and you, you work in the background. I mean, you, and, um, you have wonderful moments doing it, you know, but it's, um, when I, when I got the job and all of a sudden people started reaching out, whether it was via Twitter or texting and whatever, and everyone was, you know, kind of in that, wow, you were made for this. This is incredible. You'll do, I mean, I, I almost got more confidence from all these people telling me, like, this was always supposed to happen for you. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that I went, okay, it's good. I mean, because you just, you get so used to being in a supportive role that then kind of being in front, um, yeah, you know, it's just, a, it's a totally different feeling for sure. Yeah, wow. That's pretty neat. Um, now that you are here and we're, we're, we're near the end of the regular season, um, do you feel any pressure? right now especially now that you're like okay uh you have proven yourself to not just be a team that called a hot streak early like no you've won nine of ten you're in right. second place yeah. you're three and a half out of first and you're, you're fending off la right now but is there any pressure yeah absolutely but i think but honestly like i think i think i feel pressure you know like i got asked after we lost um after winning eight in a row like is this good? Like, does this take the pressure off? And I'm like, look, in this league, nah. you feel pressure every single night. Yeah. You know, I, I the pressure wasn't different when we were one and one. You know, than it was at eight and nine, yeah. or that it was. Certainly, it's a lot easier to look at the standings. Sure. You know now. Yeah, sure. Um, but we've really taken the approach of one game at a time. But, I, you know, I put I put pressure on myself every game. You know, to uh, to truly be prepared to outwork. Um, you know our opponent, and and to always you know kind of be in that uh, next next game up, next game up, um, to where yeah, I mean I feel pressure, but I don't necessarily feel pressure to say oh because we're playing well now that this means you know we have to be in in the WNBA finals. You know I got to ask if I felt pressure to win a championship in Atlanta because you know Atlanta's only had one major sporting championship, and I'm like oh my gosh, I've lived in Atlanta for two months, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't know the Braves history, and the right. Hawks history, and the Falcons history, and like, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm inheriting those teams as mine now, and want, you know, Atlanta to succeed, but, you know, I, I'm really in, still in that mode where I just want to see us keep playing good basketball, like, yeah. I want to see the things, you know, that we talk about consistently, and are trying to implement, work you know and kind of see the fruits of your labor so you know that's not going to happen every game I mean we knew we were going to win out when we'd won eight in a row so the question became then after we lost like okay how are we going to bounce back sure you know because anyone will beat you so what are we going to look like when we come out the next time and 
you know, really proud of how we responded against Chicago. Yeah, for sure. It is crazy. The league's nuts. Like, because even, you know, Indiana, you know, their last place, they've beaten LA at LA, they've beaten Minnesota at Minnesota. So just like, my goodness, like, you can't. You they legitimately... beat us by 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and granted, you know, we were, we, we had a lot of injuries, but it really, I mean, they, they pounded us um, in the second half. And, and, uh, you know, we were at halftime and, and got beat by 30. So, yeah, you don't – you know, someone asked me, if you, you is there anyone you take for – is it easy to take a team for granted? And it's like, it's like all I have to do is point back to us losing to the last place team by 30 points. This – everybody knows in yeah. this league. Everybody knows that anybody can beat anybody. Um, and I'm sure there's been years where that hasn't been the case. But, um, you know, the league is just really good. And when yeah. you look at the separation, second to eighth right now, second to ninth, you know, you see that. That's what's crazy. I mean, yeah. you guys could conceivably finish in second, no problem. Or you could have a slight hiccup and you're suddenly you're in a one-game series absolutely. at the seven or eight seed, which is absolutely brutal. So Yeah. Um, Minnesota tomorrow, uh, a team who for the first time in a long time, has shown to not be invincible, at Super least. Super human at right? right. And, and really, the whole league, right? It's it's the first year in some time that it's not, okay, L.A. and Minnesota are the two best teams, and it's everyone else. This year, it's like, you know, really, there's seven teams that could win the championship. Absolutely. Eight teams, really. Uh, you come in to play them at home, at Minnesota's home. Um, what is, what's the approach going in without, you know, I, I know you can't give me... Yeah, sure. No, yeah. that's the game plan. What's the full scouting report? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, you know, they're they're coming off a back to back on the West Coast. Um, you know, it, it's really a game that you know is going to come down to can we create a lot of pace um, and can we sustain pace for four quarters? Um, you know, even on the road, I thought you know, especially in the Seattle game, you know, Seattle didn't get away from them until the fourth. You know, and really mm-hmm. made a run at yeah. them late in the third. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you do have to keep the pace up against them. I thought that's why even when we were in Connecticut, you know, we always had good success um, against Minnesota. Even when they were the invincible team in the league, we were, we were able to take a series from them because we just kept coming at them. And so, you know, it's the same message to this team here. Like, you, you've got to keep coming at them. You've got to come at them in waves. We've got to use our bench. Um, you know, that's how we beat them the first time we played them. Uh, we had, you know, we had lots of good moments up here, but we were, we didn't have Elizabeth Williams when, when we played on the last time, um, and it was Hayes' first game back, and she wasn't, she wasn't really back yet. So, um, you know, we, you, you have to, you know, like, they're what are they when when Sylvia and and Maya go off, you're, you're in a heap yeah. of trouble yeah. against them. You know, one of them can go off, but you can't have both of them go off, and if you get. Augustus mixed into the monster, you know, then, then you're in real big trouble. But I think their crowd will really rally them, whether they're tired as they come home. You know, they always draw well here. It's their yep. first home game since the All-Star break. Right. Um, coming off two losses, you know Cheryl's going to have a motivated play. So, you know, we just, we've, we've got to, you know, lock into the game plan, make Sylvia's touches tough, give them one shot. Uh, to the best of our ability, and hope Maya Moore doesn't catch hot, you know, yeah. catch a heat streak. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, last question, and this is definitely going to catch you off guard. So I'll, I'll filibuster for a minute to buy you time, but please give me a funny Kurt Miller s- story. Like you got it, because he is one of the most entertaining people. Just purely watching games, and I mean, anytime there's a dead ball, I'm like, Panda Kurt, Panda Kurt, show me, show me Kurt right now. 
You've got, oh god! And you've known Kurt for forever, so it's I mean, forever. So I'm yeah. giving you, I'm giving you no, you know, time restraint. You can go before Connecticut. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, there, there's like, it's almost like there's so many. I mean, Kurt was the best man at our wedding, so he gave the <laughs> he gave the toast at our wedding. Um, you know, but I, you know, my favorite of working with him last year was easily, or over the last two years, easily was, you know, not the. Um, poke at Isaac, poor Isaac, the official, but, you know, it, it's like Kurt can't help himself <laughs> at times, you know, and and so, you know, it was a, a deflected ball out of bounds, and uh, he, Isaac had pointed in one direction, and, and I, I still keep this on video, and every once in a while when I need a laugh, it's just like in my phone, and I'm not sure that, that you know, if you ask Monty, you know, the lead the lead of the officials that he would be really excited about me saying this is my yeah. favorite Kurt Miller story but you know Kurt just like literally mimicked the official and like pretended to blow the whistle with his fingers and point in the other direction and it was just so demonstrative oh, and dramatic um, but you know at, at, but it takes me back to the first year he, you know Kurt thinks he's going to lose every game by 30 you know and so if, if there's ever a moment that he had a good feeling about a game, you, you almost got nervous because, you know, it's like they're going to beat us by 30. And, you know, the beauty of my relationship with Kurt was he, he we were really good at playing devil's advocate and bouncing things mm -hmm. off each other. But, you know, I, I could I could literally just tell him when to, like, like cool it, yeah. we got this, you know. But um, we, we struggled that first year of closing halves. I mean, it just, it was uncanny how we'd be writing games and, and as we'd be going deep into that second quarter, you know. So I still remember there was about two minutes to go in the second quarter and whoever we were playing, like, had made a little bit of run and he said, all right, I'm out of here. You got the last two minutes. I'm going to the locker room. I know, I know how this ends, you know. <laughs> and it, like, like, sure enough, like, something would happen. Like, it, it just was – and that year was that way, you know. But he just um, – he's so quick-witted, yeah. you know, of course. But – um, <laughs> That's you good. know, he, he and it was funny that year. That first year was considerably tougher in some ways because, as funny as he is, he's um, he also at times like the players didn't quite get him yet. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I found that that first year in Connecticut, you know, I my job was to hang out in the Mohegan Sun parking garage and wait by the player cars after the game to like explain, you know. Kurt, you know, there was yeah. a lot of, like, parking lot talks, you know, like, the message is good, maybe the delivery isn't yeah. always right, but here's what he's trying to say. That's interesting. And, um, because he's so passionate, you know, For and sure. so, it just, it comes out at times. Like, yeah. it just... That can get misconstrued. It just really, there are times when, like, you know, he holds it in and holds it in, and then it's like this big vomit, you know, and, and so, you know, you're, you're, these players are trying to figure you out. In some ways, and and so, while they liked him most of the time, there were moments it was just like, what is wrong with him? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it which made it so much easier in year two because they they kind of started to realize, like how much he loved them and how yeah. passionate he was, um, you know. But but he also learned to say things a little differently yeah. uh, to him because you know, college kids and professionals, you you can't talk to them the same way. Sure. You really can't. As much as sometimes they think you should. They don't. They don't really want it 
Yeah. They don't want to hear it that way, yeah. you know, any more than they want to hear get on the line, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I, I said that once in a practice this year to the team. All right, everybody on the baseline and they all looked at me and I was like, are we running? And I'm like, no, I just want to show you something, <laughs> right, right. you know, but it was like, they marched down there, but it was like, it'd been a while since I guess they'd heard it quite like that. Right. So yeah, I, it, you know, like. I'm, I'm probably going to think of, like, 17 great Kurt Miller yeah. stories, you know, Another after thing. this. That's but, okay. yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's one of my favorite yeah. human beings for sure. I mean, this, one of the hardest things about being a head coach in this league for me is that, you know, I can't ask one of my best friends mm. things sometimes that I want to ask. Sure. You know, like, we just, we think so much alike and we share so much. Um, but when you're competing in a league with 12 teams, there's a line you, you – and we both know we can't cross it. I mean, right. there's times we just need to hear each other's voice and, you know, are super proud of one another. But, you know, that's sometimes the hardest thing. Like, you know, if I'm going to vent about a player, I, I can't do it to him because I may yeah. want to trade him to him right. later. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, yeah, there's like, very shallow water you can, yeah. like, wade into. Yeah, there, right? I mean, it's just it, uh, genuinely the toughest part where – I know there have been multiple times this season where we've literally said to one another, I so badly just like want to have one of those talks and we, yeah. we know we can't. Yeah. So that, that's the toughest part for us because we really are that close. And when we when we sit down even before a game, it, it's uncanny how Jazz and AT, like we're, we're instantly laughing and Jazz is like, I can't with you two. You know, like I just can't, I can't, you know, it's like, You've been together for like eight seconds and you're already like in that place, yeah. you know, and they, they just watched it. They watched us play off of one another for two years. So, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Great yeah. coach, but an even better human. Yeah, well, it's done a good job and you obviously were big to that success and you've, you've had a great run so far. And I know the season's uh, nowhere near being over, so I, I know you're not satisfied or anything. But um, congrats to you guys because you've, you've turned it around and you're certainly one of the contenders for a championship. So... Um, congrats to you, and I uh, certainly appreciate you taking some time out before one of your big games. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Jump Around, and thanks to Atlanta Dream head coach Nikki Collin for joining me today on this episode. As always, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can always send me feedback on Twitter at Blake Dudonis. Thanks for listening as always. This is the Jump Round.